Hello and welcome to episode 32 of That's What People Do. And that rhymes. That's right. Nice. Um, we won't be able to do that again until 42. No. Crap. Anyway, um, have a generic, I'm a poet and I don't know it. There you are. Um, right, so we are episode 32 now. Last week we did speak about Walt Disney. We did. That was James's good guy. Uh, this week, as I've already done a good person for this month, this week we have a, quotes bad person. Now, quotes. the episode, the, we do a podcast called That's What People Do, right? We do talk about good people, we talk about bad people. What about those people that are kind of in the middle? They did some fucked up shit, but also did some good shit. Yeah, there are people that kind of do good stuff, but maybe bad things on the mm. side, or people that are bad who do good things, yeah. you know? Not too long ago, we had a terrorist incident on London Bridge. Now, one of the people who stopped this terrorist mm. was a convicted murderer. Yep. So sometimes bad people do good things, sometimes yeah. good people do bad things. Uh, some people have to do those to get on with the main thing they want to do. Alfred Nobel is one of those people, okay? The human condition is not just good or bad. Human condition is... It's it's all over the fucking place, mm-hmm. you know. We we are we make mistakes every day. We have to learn as we go, and we continually we learn all have and good grow. Days and bad days. Absolutely, Alfred's one of those people. Okay, so let's get into him. Alfred Bernhard Nobel was born October twenty first, eighteen thirty three, in Stockholm, Sweden. He was the third of four children born to parents Emmanuel and Andriette Nobel. His father was an engineer and inventor, always tinkering away. Being an inventor is all well and good, but your inventions have not only got to be useful, but sellable. And Emmanuel was struggling to gain interest in his inventions. He struggled so much the family became impoverished because of it. This meant that the in this meant that the quality of life was not at its best. As I mentioned, Alfred was the third of four children, but unfortunately. They were the only ones of eight children that were born to them who would actually survive. Right. So that's how sort of impoverished they were. Yeah, not good. Alfred himself was a sickly child as well. He nearly didn't make it to a week old. Um, So growing up, he would spend lots of time watching his brothers play outside as he was too sick to join in. That's a shame. Mm. Now, let's go back to Daddy Nobel, as I shall call him from now on. Daddy Nobel and his unsellable inventions, which sounds like a really crap Harry Potter book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which, by my... His inventions weren't too bad. This man invented plywood. Oh, really? That's a thing. Right. When I went, oh, that's like a big thing. Like People use that in building material all the time. It used to just be, you just cut your fence panel out of the fucking oak, out of the tree. Yeah. Whereas, like, with plywood, it was, like, a thin layer, something in the middle, yeah. thin layer, you put it together, it's bendable, it's flexible, it's all And it gives people sort of something to punch through at karate lessons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and kick. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, money was tight, okay? As I say, um, Big Daddy Nobel can't sell many inventions, so they're not making much money. So much so that in the in the same year of little Alfred's birth, I shall will be call, I will be calling Alfred Nobel little Alfred. Right. I should be calling uh, Alfred's dad, Emmanuel daddy nobel okay so in the same year that little alfred was born daddy nobel declared bankruptcy okay he would continue to make business attempts to just make some sort of money but most of them would fail all right so by the time little alfred was four or five daddy nobel had managed to secure himself a little interview in russia with the sars committee 
for industry and trade. Big things, potentially. Mm. Well, the chat went well, really well. And Emmanuel got talking about his engineering expertise. That's what he's an inventor. He's an engineer. That's what he's thing. That's what he does. And what's he an expert in? Big old landmines. Oh, really? Yep, that's his thing. He's into big old landmines. But the Russians were like, fucking, yes, please. You're absolutely fucking right. The committee were thinking, damn, this guy could be useful here, and sent him to Turku, which is now present-day Finland. Oh, I'll just say Turkey. Yeah, right. Um, He worked there for a time, which is where he invented plywood. Right. Which is cool. That's a cool invention, dude. Meanwhile, back in Sweden, little Alfred, his mum and brothers have stayed behind. They didn't go with him, obviously. Yeah. Andrea, Alfred's mother, had managed to open up a cheeky little grocery store, which I find bizarre that people just do that. Just open a grocery store? How do people... Do, you know, we've we've done this a lot now. In history, people just open stores. If you have the right amount of money, you just get the stock and then sell got, the stock on for no more. money. They're skin. Sell your kidney. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I find it crazy how people just open businesses and they're like, oh yeah, I've got a, bit, I've got a shop now. What? <laughs> Try and open a shop now. Yeah, man, it's fucking hard. It's so I, I worked in retail recently, and there was a guy that fucking one of our random tangents. There was a guy who joined. And it was really, it was a shame. I was like, "Oh, so what did you do before you came here?" It was like, "I owned my own shop, but I got to put out of business by a bigger shop." Brilliant. And I was like, "And now you're working for a bigger shop." Now you're working for that big shop. But that I was like, "What a shame." He was like, "I owned this shop for 15 years, and then like a fucking like little opened up around the corner, and suddenly I no one came to me anymore." Mm, that's the problem. And I was like, "Yeah, because little's fucking sick." Little's really good. I love that. He's opened his heart out. He's like, Little closed me down. You're like, Little is good, though. It's really good. It is good. Little and Aldi. If you're doing your shopping anywhere else, you're a fucking mug. Little and Aldi, Germany, you did well. So, uh, yeah, that, that, the store that mum owned, uh, it was doing really well. Enough to keep them afloat anyway while Daddy Nobel was chasing his dreams. Just let mum do it all. Like, she's got it. Like, honestly, hats off to all the fucking mums out there that just yeah. do shit. You've got. You've got Daddy Nobel just being like, but love, I'm an inventor. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, but we've got fucking three kids, four kids to like look after. He's like, no, hun, hun, hun. I'm an inventor. My inventions will save us. It's they like will make all the money. They're a writer. They just stay at home all day. What are you yeah. doing? I'm a writer. I'm a writer. And it's like, yeah, but you are working part-time at Sainsbury's. So, no, no, no. I'm a I'm writer. A, I'm a writer. No, stop defining yourself as that. You work at Sainsbury's as well as do writing. I'm going to say that. I'll take the piss. I'm an actor that's doing fuck all. Mm, yeah. So there we go. But, but, but this is the thing. You're not going just like, oh, I'm an actor, I'm just out of work at the moment. It's like you acknowledge that you have to do other work as well at the same yeah. time to keep yourself afloat. Like, you can't just call yourself an inventor. What, what do you mean? What do you invent? Many things. <laughs> like what? Oh, none of them have really taken off just yet. I'm an inventor. I haven't invented anything just yet, but I'm, in, I'm working <laughs> on it. I remember when I was a kid, I sat down with a fucking notebook in my room. I was like, I'm going to invent something. Because I watched, you know, the Simpsons episode where Homer and Thomas Edison are like going head to head. Yeah, and after that, I was like, I'm going to invent something. And just nothing Mate, to mind. Kids' imagination is one of the best things in the world. But yeah, man, shout out to all the mums who just get shit done and dads who are just like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> mums are just like, nah, I'm doing it. Uh, just let her do it, honestly. Uh, but not only is she running a little store, she's being mum to her boys and homeschooling little Alfred at the same time. Right. This kid is smart. This kid's real smart. He may not be out running around playing with his brothers. He's inside. He's picking up schooling like a Dr. Walter. All right. 
he's been homeschooled for the first half of his childhood due to him being so sickly, um, suffering with debilitating migraines and seizures. So mum mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to school you at home. But this didn't stop his love for learning, of course. He was able to read by the age of three, which I'm assuming That's, is yeah, an impressive good. thing. Yeah. Uh, and that was it for him he was always reading while his brothers played outside just read everything he's got right by three I think that's a good thing yeah that's really good I can't imagine that I don't even remember being three I was quite an early reader but then in school like not to suck my own dick but I was always the one that was reading like more <laughs> years above what I should have been okay right recently this is a thing I want to address recently right I haven't like in, in bed every day I used to read right like, when I was a kid I used to read put the book down go to sleep and then all of a sudden you get your laptop, you get Netflix, and all of a sudden mm. I'm just watching shit. And some days I'm reading something and I'll see a word and I'll just, I'll just say it wrong, or I'm typing something and I'll just type it wrong, and I'm like, am I like becoming a fucking idiot? Because I'm just not practicing my brain. Maybe you know? do you know what? That's uh, there could be an argument for that because like we we get our entertainment not through books so much anymore, but through listening. Mm. So, so, like, our our way of dealing with language is changing. The only thing I read now is, like, articles and, like, social media shit. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, I imagine... I Ryan's predictions for the future. <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, I imagine some time in the future that a language, the written language for humans will change in yeah. that it might become shorthander. Yeah. It might all become shorthand. We'll probably use less words. Um, and things will just be like yeah, things will be shorter. Why say lot word when few word do trick? Have you got to that episode yet? Yes, I've done. <laughs> that's so funny. So like, you can't no do that go, at work. You no, know, car no go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's such a funny bit. Sea um, world. Yeah, but are you saying sea world or see the world? <laughs> um, but yeah, like we 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 take in language by just listening. Now we don't necessarily read, which which is funny that the Oscars just uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, Parasite won the Korean film. Oh, and well, I need to see that. I need to see it as well. I don't mind that. I listen. So I, I, I would say I read a bit. I watch anime and I watch a lot of subs. Yeah, I'm okay with subtitles. Yeah, so subtitles like you read them really quickly. Um, and even the director for that film, Parasite, was like, if you could just get over the fact that there are subtitles, there's so many more movies out there you could definitely be watching yeah. that are so much better than what you've got in the English language. I have to be in the mood for it, though. There are sometimes where I'm like, I don't want to fucking read. Like, if, if I'm tired or my eyes are tired, I'm not doing it. Like, there's a fil- you know when you put on a film to sit on your phone? Yes. You can't watch a subtitle film to do that. Yeah. You have yeah, to focus. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we get most of our language just through listening. We don't have to read that much now. It's bad. It's wrong, man. My brain's fucking going the other way. It's um, like exercising it. Back to Daddy Nobel. Yes, Daddy Nobel. He's my favourite person. <laughs> back to Daddy Nobel. He's now moved on to St. Petersburg in Russia after a brief stint in Turku in Finland. Finland, nice. Uh, and he's now opened up a workshop building equipment for the Russian army. That's a good gig to get, to be fair. That is a damn good gig. He's getting government money. Mm. He's doing rather well. So well, he caught the eye of the Russian Tsar, Nicholas I, with his crazy ideas. And it went a little bit like this. The Tsar. Good to meet you, Daddy Nobel. What you got for me? Hey, Your Excellency. So I'm an engineer, and my expertise is in landmines. Hmm. Yeah, sounds good. But what have you got that's different? Okay, so think landmines, but in the water. (gasps) Landmines in the water? landmines in the water i love it make me some but get me a better name we can't go we can't call mines in the sea landmines how about sea mines fucking hell fucking genius your excellency (laughs) Uh, i may have embellished that conversation a little bit but it kind of went like that uh daddy nobel got the go-ahead to build sea mines from the russian army so he he invented sea mines yeah 
Well, yeah, yeah, he helped invent sea mines. That's impressive. Yeah, uh, the Tsar thought it was the perfect way to protect enemy ships from roaming into Russian waters, mm. and was used to protect Saint Petersburg from the British during the Crimean War. Ooh. Yeah, they just like put a shitload of bombs in the water, and they're like, "You can't get in." Yeah. Now, in 1842, when Daddy Nobel was settled. He moved the family out to Russia with him. Nice. Little Alfred is approaching 10 years old now and was entered into a whole new country, which must have been exciting. His dad is now doing well enough that the family aren't impoverished like they were and were even able to send Alfred to private tutors, where he, again, would do really well, particularly in chemistry and languages, uh, able to speak Swedish, French, German, Russian and English over time. By, was, by the time he was 17, he could speak all those languages. Fair fucking play. Russian's a difficult one to get as well. Yeah, man, they didn't even write letters. Yeah. Now, he spent a lot of time watching Daddy Nobel tinkering away at his newest weapons and inventions, eagerly learning as much as he could just watching about engineering and the basic principles to explosives. Now, Alfred, who by now, in his late teens, is being taught not only by his dad, but by well-known chemists such as Russian Nikolai Zinin, and in 1850, he was sent to Paris by his father to study chemistry further, which is where he met an Italian man and chemist called Ascanio Sobrero. That's fucking Italian. It's a cool name, right? Now, Sobrero being the guy who invented slash discovered nitroglycerin. Had right. a bit? Well, I know of it. People have definitely heard of that. Yeah. He invented that in 1846, okay? This guy, he mixed nitric acid with glycerin and we get nitroglycerin, what he created was a seriously powerful explosive that was highly unstable and super dangerous. Mm. It's called, I think, a contact explosive. Yeah. Right? If you got, like, and I mean it, a droplet mm. of nitroglycerin, just dropped it on this table that we're looking at now, you got a hammer, and you went, hit it, it yeah. would explode. Fuck. It's a contact explosive. It explodes just like, you flick it. If yeah. you were to flick it, it'd go bang. Wow. Like that. So it's very, very delicate. Can't right? It's huh? kind of wants them. Yeah, right? I know. You just sort of just, I don't know, drop it. Yeah. Bang, like that. Um, Really, really highly sort of sensitive explosive this is, which means it's, one, super, super dangerous, um, but, like, not viable to be used by many people. Yeah. So he's now like, I've invented this thing that should not be fucking used. Yeah. And that was Sobrero's look on it. He invented something that he was like... Mm-mm. No, it was so dangerous that even Sobrero struggled to deal with it, requiring very delicate adding of glycerin to the acids, and then the temperature has to be so like precisely monitored to have it be created Yeah. too much one way or the other, and it just would explode and kill the person trying to make it. Now, one experiment left him permanently scarred when he dipped a hot wire into a glass bowl full of it, causing an explosion that threw glass all over the place, ripping him to shreds. Right. Um, so yeah, that's Sobrero. This is the guy that Nobel has now met in Paris, and this was something he invented. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this guy was so scared by his invention and how dangerously unstable it was, he even kept it a secret for the first year of his like invention. Yeah. Uh, before it actually got out, he was like properly opposed to the general use of this invention due to how volatile it was. He said about his invention later on in life. When I think of all the victims killed during nitroglycerin explosions and the terrible havoc that it has wrecked, which in all probability will continue to occur in the future, I am almost ashamed to admit being its discoverer. Fuck. Like, he hated his invention. He knew that his invention killed many people. 
Yeah, and had the potential to kill more mm. and get worse. And he hated that. Yeah. Safe to say, yeah, he didn't like it very much. And it's it's like when I invented chocolate spread penguin bar sandwich. I invented it, but I wish I hadn't. <laughs> if you want to know the secret ingredients, it's penguin bars. <laughs> when I was like 10, I, was like, I like penguin bars. I also like chocolate spread sandwiches. Well, it just makes sense to put the penguin bars in a chocolate spread sandwich. Yeah. And it's not great. Is it not? <laughs> no, it's weird. It's Talking really of weird. that, like, if this is kind of similar, if you get a Twix and they have a cup of tea, bite at an end off each end of the Twix, stick it in the tea, you can suck the tea through the Twix. Is that right? Yeah. And then the chocolate gets all melty and the tea tastes like a bit like caramel. It's really good. Mm, I'll try, try that. Try that for <clears throat> sure. So, in all seriousness, nitroglycerin is really fucking dangerous stuff. Mm. And Sobrero's fears were to be taken seriously but alfred nobel now 18 years old full of youth and fearless was fascinated by the invention and was eager to figure out a way to control the substance when i was 18 i was doing free running and i was like what's that 20 foot drop i don't give a fuck i think i was just playing modern warfare too <laughs> i broke so many bones when i was a teenager just because you're an idiot it's like trying shit yeah that's, just, that's the age you gotta just try shit though we just made of rubber and magic at that age yeah. it's ridiculous now in all uh, where was i that would have to wait for now okay nobel cannot be figuring out the secret to natural glycerin he's got shit to do he's on the way to the united states to continue his studies there he worked under a swedish american inventor john ericsson uh, have you ever seen pictures of the ironclad warship during the American Civil War? No, I don't think so. It's like, uh, you see like, you know... I've got Google here. Googly now. Uh, it's called an ironclad warship. These things were monsters in the sea during the American Civil War. Ironclad warship. Oh my God, they're pretty big, aren't they? Yeah, this guy, uh, John Erickson, helped Christ. design and build them. And Fuck this is a guy know. that Alfred Nobel's hanging around with, just chatting about, and he's like... They're really weird looking. Yeah, they're cool, right? Yeah. I like those. They look steampunky. Yeah, they look they literally look like imagine Mad Max on water. Yeah, that was happening during the American Civil War. Matt, I didn't think they had that technology in the Civil War. Exactly, they had submarines then. Really? Yeah, very, very, very basic. I need to research. There needs there needs to be a good Civil War film brought out because I don't feel like there is one. Uh, there's a documentary. I think. Oh, God, I, but I want like name. a Mel Gibson film. That's what I want. <laughs> like fucking The Patriot. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's the kind of shell ones that I can just sit there and just mindlessly just fucking switch off. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you want Mel Gibson doing it. Or Clint Eastwood. Give me Clint Eastwood. Or Clint Eastwood wouldn't be a bad shout. Yeah. Anyway. Just don't have... Um, who's the guy that does Transformers? Oh, uh, Michael Bay. Yeah, well, don't do Michael Bay. If you wanted loads of explosions. No, there'd be... And no accuracy whatsoever. No, and there'd be those bloody, you know, bluey, orangey fucking sun glares on the oh, lens yeah, sun everywhere. Glares, yeah. Um, so yeah Alfred Nobel's hanging around with this guy John Erickson who's like he's not made him yet but he will make ironclads this guy's fucking crazy he's like big fucking ship big metal yeah (laughs) put it all around it it won't sink and it won't get destroyed that's clever so Nobel's been like oh I've heard of this thing called nitroglycerin and then John Erickson's like that's amazing we should definitely make some of that Mm. and we should definitely try and control it so like he's been all like you know hyping him up so you know being shut in and buried in his books during his childhood had made alfred nobel a bit socially awkward but Mm. you know when growing up um there's nothing better to get you out your shell than hanging around with an italian chemist in 1850s paris and getting hyped up by a mad inventor who creates warships in the usa 
So yeah. when Nobel eventually came home, he was a man, mm. mainly physically, but even his brothers hardly recognised him, which I think is code for definitely got laid in Paris. Yeah, for sure. I but think that's you, what it is. The second that happens, you have an air of confidence about you. 100%. He's hanging around with an Italian chemist in 50s Paris. Yeah. Just like, uh, Moulin Rouge, <laughs> get in there. Now, in 1854, Nobel, he's back home. He's uh, hanging around with Daddy Nobel. Daddy Nobel. Working in some of his factories. Now, the Nobel family are rolling in it nice. by this time. Yeah. The Crimean War is raging. And Daddy Nobel's sea mines are in high demand. Yeah, everyone wants I'd like a sea mine. I have no use for it, but I'd like one. Oh, it reminds me of um, Hot Fuzz. Yeah. What is it? Sea mine. Sea mine. <laughs> <laughs> is that a sea mine? It's inactive. Yeah, inactive. Doom. <laughs> it's it. It's like... Shit. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, Alfred is keen to make his mark in the world of chemistry, collaborating with his father in finding a safe way to control and detonate nitroglycerin. But even with the experience of Daddy Nobel, they were unable to find a way. By 1856, the Crimean War was over, with the British having given the Russians a good old spanking. Yeah. Tsar Nicholas I is dead, and his successor, Alexander II, has been tagged in. Question. Oh, God. When is old-school Stark Industries making the most money? The second you said old-school Stark Industries, I'm just thinking fucking Tony Stark. You're absolutely right to think that. That's exactly what I'm referring to. When is old-school Stark Industries making its most money? Are you talking like old school, like Howard Stark, during war? During war, absolutely. Yeah. Bing, ding, 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 that's the correct answer. Yeah. War is profitable, and especially to the Nobels. Yeah. It's like I've got a little uh, Marvel reference nice. in there. War is very profitable, though. War is profitable. Um, and with with no more war raging, there is no more need for sea mines. I'll take one. Yeah, I'll take one. Um there's no more need for these sea mines to be made by Daddy Nobel. So the Nobels lost a lot of business and mm. money. Well, you need to make another war. Yeah, exactly. So unable to domesticate the company that he'd been building, uh, not much demand for sea mines in the high street, so it just sort of went... Sea <laughs> mine shop. Yeah. Um, fishing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Daddy Nobel handed the management of the business to his older son, Ludwig, and then moved himself, his wife, and the youngest son um, back to Sweden. So, Alfred and his brothers, Robert and Ludwig, they stayed in St. Petersburg to help out with the family business, keep mm-hmm. it going. Alfred would work part-time, but spend most of his time tinkering with the nitroglycerin in an attempt to tame the monstrous creation. That was the idea. Right. Now, the first step was to perfect uh, how to make it himself, which he managed to do rather easily himself. Uh, the next step would be then to find a way to safely transport the explosive, which he did by discovering, you know, uh, the, uh, wait, where was, where was I? Um, oh, yeah, which he did, yeah. He managed to figure out a way of able to transport that. I'll talk about that in a bit. So this stuff that he's doing is super, super dangerous. Yeah, it sounds it. And in 1864 ended in tragedy. So uh, in Sweden, they had a sort of a shed they used, a couple of sheds manufacturing this stuff, make, trying to make it and figure out how the fuck do I get this sorted. Yeah. Um, in a shed in Sweden, the nitroglycerin had exploded, blew up the whole damn shed. It killed five people, including Nobel's youngest brother, Emil. Oh, dear. Yeah. Now, 
if you were to ask Sobrero what he would do at this moment after your brother has just died making this, I'm pretty certain he would bury it all and try to wipe it from the memory of the world. Yeah. But not Nobel. He wasn't going to let his brother's death be in vain. It pushed him to further his research and find the solution to making nitroglycerin safe. Well, I say safe as a freaking explosion, but yeah. you know what I mean. Now, his dream was to control the explosive. Uh, his dream to control the explosive was realized in 1867 when he was able to mix the liquid nitroglycerin with a particular type of earth. Uh, he'd done this in Germany, I think Hamburg. Uh, he had a factory there, and they figured out that the factory uh, earth on the ground mm. contained. Um, now I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, Diatomaceous earth. Diatomaceous earth. Whatever. I have no idea. Diatomaceous earth. This is earth that contains fossilized diatoms, which are microalgae. So it's just got basically a shitload of fossils in it. Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, so, but when this is mixed with nitroglycerin, it stabilizes it enough that you can work with it. So it almost like puts it to sleep. Right. So instead it of dormant. it instead of it just being like a tap bang, yeah. it's like it's asleep, and you can kind of mould it a bit better, and right, you can make okay. sticks out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, is, that, is this where does TNT come into this? Not dynamite. Is dynamite. That, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 You're on the right track. So Nobel figured that moulding the new substance into a shape like a stick, and placing a small amount of gunpowder on top of on the top of it with a fuse made a very safe and transportable version of nitroglycerin, uh, which also created it. Alfred Nobel had invented Nobel's blasting powder. So it's not got that catchy name yet. Yeah. Uh, later he realised it's a wanky name and changed it to dynamite. Dynamite. Nice. Named after the ancient Greek word for dynamis, which means power. Yeah. Power. Awesome. Dynamite's a great name. So dynamite... Dynamite began rolling off the production line, being bought in huge loads by the UK and the USA, primarily, mm -hmm. for mining purposes. The idea was that it would help that. Nice. Um, this would make Nobel a big money baller. Like He was like the Jeff Bezos of his day, except, for the, except without the morally dodgy company and stuff. Um, there is a story, not sure how true it is, though, uh, that when his housemaid was getting married, Alfred asked her what she would like for a wedding gift. The maid replied, as much as you make in a day. Supposedly, the next day, Nobel gave her a check for $100,000. Bloody hell. And even at that time, at that time, especially. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not sure about this one. I don't know how true it is. Um, his net worth was is valued at, I think it was $265 million in today's money. Fuck me. That's now, a lot of money. I'm not saying... It's nothing, but I'm not sure you'd just throw away $100,000 on your maid when you've got $265 million. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, that seems like quite a lot to throw away, even for even if you're like $250 million. Like you're, you you have a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah. Is $100,000 quite a lot of money to you that, at that point? Mm, it's kind of like, what? Oh, imagine like, what, 100 quid is to us? Maybe a tenner? Actually, no, yeah, probably a tenner. Probably a tenner then. What, a tenner uh, is okay. to us? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, I'll give you that. Maybe it's okay then. Maybe he did do it. I don't know. But if he did, that'd be cool. I want to work for someone like that. <laughs> Who just gives that money? Yeah. Now, in 1875, Nobel had improved on his invention. He mixed nitroglycerin with collodion cotton, wood pulp, and saltpeter to create gelignite, 
which was much stronger and safer than dynamite, able to be stored without great risk of them randomly exploding for no damn reason. With this next big thing, his wealth ballooned even more. He was the undisputed big dick baller, but just because he was fabulously wealthy and could buy almost anything in the world, that did not mean he was basically me and just spunked his money willy-nilly. He was quite sensible with his money, which probably comes from his poverty days back when he was a kid. Nobel didn't have a wife or kids to spend his money on, although he was a bit of a hopeless romantic. In one occasion, he was really into this Russian girl when he was young. He managed to build up the courage to speak to her, but she rejected him flat out. And I just, I really want to, I try to picture that in my head, and just, I just find it funny. What, this big dick baller has... No, when he was just young and he's just like painfully fucking shy because he's not been oh, yeah. he's not been hanging around with Italians and in America yet. Yeah, and he's just like, hi, <laughs> no, I re- yeah, literally, it's just hi, no, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, I know you don't. <laughs> Chances are they don't. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, oh, I love, have you ever seen on Twitter another tangent on Twitter when it's like pictures of like screenshots where like a bloke's popped up to a woman being like um, hello is this so and so she's like leave me alone I have a boyfriend it's like uh, I found your purse oh yeah and it's yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. I'm really sorry yeah it's like no just leave me alone I have a girlfriend stop talking to me yeah and it's like I was hoping we could meet up at some point it's like listen I have a boyfriend I'm not into you it's like so we could do the studying for the exam that's coming yeah. up <laughs> Like, um, fucking leave me alone or like oh there's one I found it was really funny and it was like oh do you not like anyone and it was like you uh, it was like yeah it's like, I like is it you or something and then she's like oh god I, I mean I'm flattered but I mean I'm not into you and then he's just, just put like um, no he's gone oh is it like question mark asterisk yeah yeah and he's like you question mark and then you put an asterisk as if it was like an autocorrect and yeah. she's gone oh christ yeah no 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 me neither no, I, was, I was so lucky I thought we were gonna like fall out yeah friend zone so yeah um He's painfully shy. He asked out this really, I'm assuming, attractive Russian girl. Although, if you look at people back then, people aren't attractive. Why are people not attractive in history? It's weird, isn't it? Maybe it's just we look different. Like, it's, we, yeah, it's beauty just, it's just changed over time. But you see, like, portraits of, um, like, princesses and queens and shit. Yeah. And you hear, like, um, uh, reports when they're like, oh, apparently she was a great beauty. And you look at it and you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, literally. It's like, I'd love to meet fucking Helena Troy. Like actual Helen of Troy. Oh yeah, man. She was supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the yeah, world. Yeah, she launched a thousand ships. I'd love to look at him, like, yeah, yeah, okay. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine going back in time, uh, the, uh, the Trojan Wars happening, and you sort of you're a time traveller. You just sort of turn up. You're like, oh hi, and you meet Paris, and he's like, oh yeah, this is this is Helen. I'll meet you. I'll show you Helen. This is her. This is the woman who launched a thousand ships. And you go, eh, <laughs> I'll give you a seven. And he's just like, what? <laughs> you're like, eh. I've done better. Yeah, but you ever seen Margot Robbie, though? Like, oh, God. Like, she's no Margot Robbie, is she? <laughs> Come on, no Helen. Margot Robbie. Um, anyway. I'd love to see it. Anyway, uh, if I got a time machine, perhaps that's where I'd go, just to see Helen of Troy. I need to watch bloody... Troy? No. Wolf of Wall Street again now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> just to see Margot Robbie. <laughs> um, so, anyway, yeah. Nobel's managed to build up courage to talk to this attractive lady who's just flat-out rejected him. Nobel... Although uh, busy and surrounded by many people, went through phases of depression, which means I'm going to assume he's felt a bit Michael Bublé, you know, surrounded by a million people, but still feeling all alone. Because in 1876, he would put out an ad, quote, Wealthy, highly educated gentleman, seeks lady of mature age, first in language as secretary and supervisor of household. Is that a job ad or is that Tinder? I don't know. (laughs) 
because I can't tell what that meant. I've seen some weird things on Tinder, so yeah, that would fit in. That's so funny though. Like he's like, I can't, I don't. Can you believe it? you have to put ads out like that? Yeah, people just did that. They put ads out. I suppose we do ads now, but I suppose they're in they're in formats that you expect them to be there. You're just going to be reading a paper and it'll say, wealthy, highly intended and educated gentleman. Oh, do you know what that is? That's love on the tube. What's the tube thing? They do it in the London newspapers. It's called, um, oh, Christ, what is it? And oh, you're... yeah, yeah, where you see someone on the tube and you're yep, like, I yep. saw you on this tube, you were wearing such and such. Yep, yep, yep. Who are you? Yeah. Um, That's kind of creepy. Girl in the red dress with, like, the brown hair. I was the guy with, like, the Ramones t-shirt. Don't worry if I don't listen to Ramones, but doesn't matter. Uh, call me. <laughs> it's yeah. super like that. Like, I've seen people on the tube that have been like, fuck, you're beautiful. And I don't fucking write to a newspaper about it. That's so funny how, like, you're going to look at that person, you imagine your whole life with them, and then they walk off on the next stop. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're getting <laughs> you know? off at embankment, are you? I'm Waterloo. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, but yeah, so he put out an ad. He's looking for a intelligent, well-versed lady who versed in language, who is going to be his secretary and household supervisor. I'm going to put that on Tinder and see how many likes I get. <laughs> <laughs> looking for household supervisor <laughs> intelligent with languages uh, now that lucky lady who got the job her name was Bertha Kingsky Bertha's such a fucking K- Kinsky yeah Bertha that's a proper like warrior name you wouldn't fuck with a Bertha would you nah I wouldn't want to mess with Bertha now Nobel was totally into her he literally used Tinder to get her made he literally did a Walt Disney yeah he was just Hired. like <laughs> yeah he was just like um, so have you managed anything before I mean I managed my bookshelf yeah, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, <fuck laughs> get, get in here. He's just looked at her, looked at the CV, and just gone, that's just not what I need. But she's damn pretty. Now, he liked her wit and intelligence, uh, but again, the affection was not reciprocated. I thought we were getting somewhere with that one. Yeah. It's like, oh, that would be the one. No, no. She went off to marry Baron Arthur Gundakar von Sutna. That's a fuck okay. Poxy Baron. But yeah, you need it, to calm down, Baron a, von something. It is a cool name, though. Baron Arthur Gundeka von Sutner. It is, but if he came up to me and said that name, I'd be like, what? Like, I'd laugh at him. But this is the thing. So she's picked... I think she was already engaged him at the time, though. But, like, you've got a Baron or a multi-millionaire. Oh, a title yeah, or money. title or money. money I mean, go, go money. The, the title probably comes with a bit of money. I'd go money. Yeah. I'd go more money. More I'd, money. I'd be such a good wag. I want to be a wag. Oh, yeah, I'd be a wag. Yeah. I'd sure. totally be a wag. <laughs> <laughs> Just like clapping on the sidelines. We <laughs> could be wags because, you know, the, the female football game is such a big thing now. It's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, but we'd be hags. Husband uh, and Yeah, husband and boyfriends. Habs. Habs. We'll be habs. I'll be a hab. <laughs> yeah, be. This reminds me of um, Snatch now. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to I haven't seen Snatch. Oh, my God. Go watch it. You would love Snatch. I've never seen it. Totally. You would love it. It's one of them things I've never seen. Go watch it tonight. Honestly, I'm telling you now, that is a re- that is a movie you would fall in love with. You, I, Honestly, I'm telling you, you'd like it. You know the one with Brad Pitt? Yeah. Yeah, as the uh, gypsy. Yeah, Jack yeah. Dags. I know the quote. You like Dags? Anyway, <laughs> back to this. Back to Nobel and his uh, terrible love life. <laughs> Uh, she left uh, Nobel for a, a no uh, a, a baron. She went for the title. Yeah, she. I mean, she got a title. She became baroness. That's um, cool, to be fair. But weirdly, uh, they kept in touch afterwards. Anyway, like she got married with that guy, fucked off. They kept in touch. Oh. She actually won a Nobel Peace Prize in 1905. Oh right. Yeah. Well, that'd be a bit awkward, wouldn't it? Thank you for my 
X for this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's like... I don't get it, but she can't be the first one who won it. Anyway, I figure out, because later on I tell us who like won the first ones. Mm. Maybe I got the date wrong or something, but yeah, I'm sure it said something about her winning a Peace Prize. But yeah, if that did, that was, that's just crazy. And it's just like a... That's just favoritism. Um, but yeah, I mean, that didn't work out. Who cares? Plenty more fish in the sea, right? He met a woman called Sophie Hess. Now, she was 20. He was 43 at that time. It's a bit of an age gap. They began a relationship, but it was a tough one. Nobel was embarrassed with the age gap, and Sophie's behavior was not that of a standing... uh, was not that of the standing Nobel was Yeah, she wouldn't have properly matured yet. She'll still be wanting to buy enough Vernon. Exactly. She was a bit uneducated, so um, unlikely to meet Nobel in the conversational world and was known to be quite rude, Um, which is really weird. so weird that he sort of just picked her up. I think he was just interested in a hot... I I think this is midlife crisis territory. He's 43. (laughs) He's 43 and he's just gone for 20 years. Um, If he was around now... If he he was around now, he'd have bought a Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, or a boat or something. Yeah, or a boat. Bill Gates is going for it at the moment. (laughs) He's just bought a massive boat. Yeah, Um, what a boat as well. Weirdly, though, think how long... uh, how long do you think this relationship lasted? This woman is uneducated. She's not as smart as Nobel, and she's actually a bit rude. After the honeymoon period ends and you've stopped having fun, yep. six months to a year. Right. 18 years. Jesus Christ. It lasted 18 years. So she was like 38 by the time. Yeah, it ended in 1891 when Sophie became pregnant. But we're about to get all Jeremy Carl on this now. The kid... so as soon as she got pregnant, he was like, ooh... No, I told you, we're, we're about to get Jeremy Kyle on this. Oh, so it's not his. It ain't his. Oh, naughty, naughty. She's got pregnant with another kid, with another guy's kid, right? The kid weren't Nobels, but for some reason, he was still hopeful that they could get through it. Oh, for fuck I don't get it. Nah, bro, just take the DNA test and walk. 100%. This dream ended when she went off and just married the father of the child instead. Right. Oh, <laughs> Nobel. Uh, but then, and then again... I think Nobel was a bit of a flange, wet flannel. A bit of a flange because although the relationship was over and she had gone off and married another man, Nobel sent her a yearly allowance of six thousand florins, which I I'm going to assume is quite a bit of money because he can bloody afford it. Yeah, I suppose it's like if you get divorced nowadays, you have you come to a settlement. But they weren't divorced, and the kid's not his. He's got nothing, like literally. Yeah, yeah he's missing his ex, isn't he? Don't text her, bro. Don't text your ex. Stop sending him. Stop sending her money. Yeah, but yeah, like I don't get this. Like he keeps in touch with these exes that have just sort of. Well, they're not even exes. The other one, she fucked off when he was like, "I'm kind of into you." She was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go marry a baron." And then he was like, "Well, let's keep in touch." Yeah, he has relationship issues. <laughs> He's got relationship issues, definitely. Bless him. So yeah, now nah, Noble was interested in buying business opportunities and property like his four-story mansion and estate in Paris, complete with greenhouse for his beloved orchids, horses, and private laboratory. Working, 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 he had loads of factories across Europe and the United States. He's a busy man, but there was a man, but he was a man interested in philosophy and believed that his invention would be for the benefit of mankind. Unlike Sobrero, who would rather nobody ever use this dangerous explosive, saying he was ashamed of being its creator, Nobel believed that, quote, my dynamite will sooner lead to peace than, thousand, than a thousand world com- conventions. 
as, as soon as men will find that in one instant whole armies can be utterly destroyed, they surely will abide in golden peace. Yeah, that's not that's not aged well. No. Because if there's one thing that history has taught us is that humans just love killing each other human and they will yeah. find ever inventive ways to do it. Yeah, it's mad isn't it? there's such an industry of killing another human being. Oh, yeah. I mean, how much money you can make through the killing of other humans. It's all, I saw a stat, like the amount of money that America spent on um, war in one year is like triple than what it would take to eradicate world, world poverty. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy, yeah. For some reason, um, Nobel thought that if I create an explosive that can explode, like destroy whole armies in an instant, no one will want to go to war and no one will want to put themselves through that. But he didn't think that, what if the other army got this? Exactly, yeah. But he's not, yeah. The way, where he's not thinking is that, oh, all it needs is one army to buy this mm. and then monopolize everything and say, well, you want to go against us? Basically, he's creating uh, an arms race. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the first ever, like, it's not a nuclear weapon, but like... A weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. It is a WMD. He's created a WMD, which can be used for that purpose. And he just thinks, oh, well, I've created it. No one's ever going to want to go to war and risk that. But he's really, really underestimating the fact that it's not fucking people that declare war that go to war. Yeah, it's the random fucking civilians. Yeah, it, it's old men who declare war. It's young men who go fight it. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. They'll declare war. I don't mm. care if you've got a big ass bomb. It's not me that's going to fight it. And I then I'll surrender before it. you get to me. A hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, he's he's been a bit of an idiot there, in my opinion. But supposedly he has some good intentions. Now, in eighteen eighty one, Nobel had moved laboratories to just outside Paris in a place called Sevran. While there, local authorities wanted Nobel's laboratory to comply with new regulations brought in. Regulations that Nobel thought unnecessary and restrictive. So, he refused. Now, 15 love to Nobel, I think. Lo local authorities serve. Boom. High treason. Game, set, match. <laughs> to the French government. They just slammed a high treason uh, offence on him. and was like, yeah get the fuck out yeah <laughs> so nobel right. slipped out of france pretty quickly heading to san remo in italy where he continued work on a new invention called ballastite it's a smokeless propellant it's like a like a, a, a really stripped back basic like formed uh to uh rocket fuel right okay smokeless propellant right, just okay. sort of it's a slow burner that kind of stuff very 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 old for that now, in 1888, Nobel's brother Ludwig died in Cannes, France. By mistake, the French newspapers published that it was Alfred, not Ludwig, who had died. Nobel was in a very rare position. He was able to read his obituary while alive. What he read shocked him. The headline, Le Marchand de la Mort est Mort, which is French for The Merchant of Death is Dead. Another read, Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever, ever before, died yesterday. Nobel was shaken to the core that his legacy would not be the bringer of peace, but the death incarnate. Something had to be done. He was in his 60s now and wouldn't have long to change how he will be remembered. While he didn't quite go full on Tony Stark, 
He and an assistant called Ragnar, which is the best name in the world, that is a cool name. wrote and signed a new will in 1895. It set aside 94% of Nobel's total worth, the equivalent of $265 million in 2018 money, to be awarded to those who, quote, during the preceding year have conferred the greatest benefit to mankind. There should be five car- categories, physics, medicine, chemistry, literature, and peace. The peace prize was to be given to the person who has, quote, done the most or the best work for fraternity between the nations and abolition or reduction of standing armies and the formation and spreading of peace congresses. The will could not have come sooner. The last decade or so of Nobel's life saw his health getting worse with a weak heart. He believed that giving himself doses of nitroglycerin would help him. Which is, we see a lot of inventors do that. They're like, I'll just eat the shit I've made. Um, And he's not too far off the mark with that because it is used today in some heart medications to help with angina. But I can imagine the doses he was taking would not be safe. Plus, he was not a doctor. So, you know, do whatever he wants. On December 10th, 1896, just over a year before he signed his new will, Alfred Nobel died of a stroke aged 63. So he did that pretty quick, changed yeah. his will, and then about a year and two months later he died. Good timing. Good timing. So, um, like I say, Nobel is in my grey area, where he's not a bad person, Yeah. but his invention has... Uh, killed people. Killed thousands and, in fact, millions of people. But he didn't directly. He has not directed, no, but you're right, but had he not... I mean, it's arguable, so had he not... Had he not chased nitroglycerin and made it what it was, dynamite, would someone else have done it? There's that theory that it's like Hitler, isn't it? If Hitler didn't do what he did, someone else would have done it. Maybe, so yeah. Maybe someone else would have invented uh, dynamite and it would have happened anyway. But point is, Alfred Nobel did invent it. And because of it, millions of people have died because of it. So in that sense, it's bad. So, yeah. But the reason why I say it's grey, he's he, you know, the reason he's also good, is that he created the Nobel Peace Prize? Yeah. To try and offset that. Uh, so five years, uh, well, so about five years later, after he died, the first Nobel prizes were awarded. If you're interested, the uh, awards for physics went to a man called Wilhelm Röntgen for the discovery of X-rays. Right, big invention. Yep. Uh, chemistry went to a man called Jakobus Hoff uh, for his contributions in chemical thermodynamics. Nice. Literature, it went to a person called Sully Prodholm. Uh, medicine, it went to a person called Emil von Bering for developing an antitoxin to treat diphtheria. Mm-hmm. And the Peace Prize went to Jean-Henri Dunant for his role in founding the International Red Cross Movement. Oh, Red Cross, cool. Yep. Cool. Uh, later in the 1930s, a sixth prize would be added for economics. Right, okay. So, should you win a Nobel Prize anytime soon, you would expect to receive a diploma, medal, and uh, the medal will have Nobel's face on it, which is nice, <laughs> and a cash prize, which usually hangs around the 8 million Swedish krona mark, uh, which is about eight, uh, about 1 million US dollars. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, 100%. Unless you are receiving the Peace Prize, the ceremony is held in Stockholm, Sweden, and you'll be presented your prize by the King of Sweden, or the reigning monarch of the time. 
The peace prize is held in Oslo, Norway. Both are held on December 10th, the anniversary of Nobel's death. The days following allow the winners to give lectures on the work and they are there's a big old banquet. Now, some controversial nominees and winners of the Nobel Prizes I know who's about to pop up. are Henry Kissinger for helping to arrange a ceasefire between the USA and the North Vietnamese. Mm. Two members of the Nobel Committee resigned over this. He didn't quite meet the requirements for the prize yet, as you are only to be recognised for the work done in the previous year, and the ceasefire was still an ongoing negotiation at the time. Uh, but the main main critics argued that Kissinger was actually a big factor in prolonging the war, not shortening no. the war, so they didn't want to give him that. Uh, Yasser Arafat, have you heard of him? He's a political leader in the in Palestine. He won in 1994 for his efforts in helping peace between Israel and Palestine, although a Nobel Committee member resigned and denounced Arafat as a terrorist. Oh, it's such a yeah, it's a hot topic. Though. Hot topic. Um, Barack Obama won in 2009 for his extraordinary efforts to strengthen international diplomacy and cooperation between people. Although that is job. That is kind of his job, and also I believe that Obama killed more people with drones than ever before. Yeah, literally, Obama and, was part of the um, president. Uh, Trump's deportation cells that you see in like the border of Mexico. Trump brought them in. Uh, Obama brought them in. Interesting. <laughs> and it's his thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it seems a bit wanky and purposefully vague yeah. in kind of what it was he won for. And that was the issue with this one. Uh, people are, argued that, one, the deadline for nominations was actually closed by the time Obama came into office. And mm. two, people argued that there was a left-wing bias to the Nobel Committee, which allowed him to win. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Now, rather controversially, 2018, Donald Trump was being tooted uh, touted as a nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts in easing nuclear tensions with North Korea. But the award went to a man called Abiy Ahmed, who was the president of Ethiopia. Uh, Trump was gutted, but took it well, saying, quote, I'm going to tell you about the Nobel Peace Prize. I'll tell you about that. I made a deal. I saved a country, and I just heard, <laughs> and I just heard that the head of that country is now getting the Nobel Peace Prize for saving the country. I said... What did I have something to do with it? Yeah, but you know, it's it's, but you know that's the way it is. As long as we know, that's all that matters. I saved a big war. I've saved a couple of them. He's a fucking knob. <laughs> yeah, he's such like he just rubbed. He's like, oh, that guy won. Yeah, I helped him. I didn't win. It's don't matter. I Absolutely. technically won because I helped that guy as well. He's a knob, man. He is a proper knob. So, uh, Nobel's work may have helped make blowing up humans easier in war, but his desire to be seen in a better light and have a better impact on the world forced him to create a legacy that has long outlasted him and does its best to highlight those in the world that are going that extra mile to make the world a better place to be in. Fun. And that's Alfred Nobel. Um, one that I thought you were going to say that didn't come up, Adolf Hitler was actually nominated in 1939 for the Peace Prize. That's right, yeah. Um, I didn't put that down. I don't know why, uh, but I, I thought it wasn't true. He he was he was nominated. That was true, but people say that the nomination was a joke. Ah, right. Okay. But he he was nominated for it. But for but for what? Rebuild. Oh, to be fair, he rebuilt Germany. Yeah, he rebuilt Germany. But what's it got to do with peace? I don't know. I don't Maybe. Know. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, Alfred Nobel. Interesting guy. 
what about the more about the I'd like to win a peace prize. I'm sure Greta Thunberg one is gonna win or has won or Yeah, she's she's been nominated, hasn't she? Um there's a whole process about I think three thousand people get nominated um the previous year and then they have to accept the nomination and send them back and then they start to whittle them down that way. Right. And then you win it. But yeah, it's it's a big old, big old, big old thing and obviously that money that Alfred had left behind is long fucking gone. Yeah. Like it's now uh, primarily donations and head funds and right. uh, shares, stocks, that sort of stuff that keeps the money flowing in. Right. And yeah, it still runs today. You'll still hear it. It's a big event. It happens every year on the December on December 10th. It happens. Nice. Yeah, so Alfred Nobel, the man who created Dynamite, killed millions of people in the process. Not intentionally, but it, it happened. Can't help the fact that it happened. And then in an attempt to make himself look better and feel better, um, created the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's what we think of him for. That is, that is exactly that. That is what you think of it for. And the, and the perfect thing is because they called it the Nobel yeah. Prizes. Yeah. It's now synonymous with peace. Yeah. And you think, oh, Nobel, mate. Like, literally, when I told you earlier who we were doing, you went, oh, is that the guy with peace prizes? Like, yeah. 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 The dude, like, invented one of the most dangerous substances in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Mad. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the next episode is going to be Columbus. It's like, he's revered in some cultures. Oh, God, yeah. And... He's a fucking asshole. I mean, and we even spoke about in our HH homes. There was a Columbus Day. There, there still is a Columbus Day. Oh Christ, yeah, there is. Americans get it's like a bank, bank fucking holiday. Anyway, we'll get onto that. Um, but also, so I, I've just thought, was thinking as you were still speaking, you mentioned that it was like the not the nuclear bomb, but like the WMD of its day, his mm. dynamite. I was actually thinking, without Nobel's dynamite, we probably wouldn't have a nuclear bomb. I think we would have got because there anyway. It might have just been a bit maybe, slower. Maybe, maybe it was very slow. But yeah, we wouldn't have grenades like that sort of stuff. Because it, it used to be gunpowder before. And it just was it was a slow burner. And it yeah. just it, it wouldn't even work properly. Yeah, like proper like railroad, like Western, light the fuse and then yep. run away. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, maybe we, wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't have had nuclear bombs. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, we speculate. So that was Alfred Nobel. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, I had a lot of fun researching this one and looking into him. Um, who have we got next week? Columbus, Christopher Columbus. Columbus. Christopher now, Columbus. if you're American, you're probably thinking, oh, Columbus, cool guy. I'm going to tell you some fucking facts that's going to change your mind. Also, if you don't think Columbus is a bad guy, what the fuck's wrong with you? But as Eric Hartman once famously said, in the 1400s, Christopher Columbus... Columbus got us a day off school. <laughs> That's all he's really good for now. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Um, make sure you follow us on all the socials. Instagram, that's what people do podcast. Uh, Facebook, that's what people do. Uh, Twitter, at that's WPD. And uh, drop us an email with any um, suggestions you may have for anyone you want to hear about or you want other people to know about. Send them to that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Ta-ra.